you ever play a sport right now? Does play a sport right now? Nobody. Has anybody ever played a sport before? Okay. Have you ever been part of a team before then? Was it a, was it a solo sport? Not very many of those in high school anymore. I mean, what what's a solo sport? Cross country? Kind of, sort of. Yeah, it's kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of a solo sport. So if you're part of a team, that means you're working together for a common goal. In our church, the acronym TEAM stands for Together Empowering a Ministry. That's what it stands for. And our church does its ministry through teams. So, for example, when we come in here to worship, the praise team or the music team leads our worship. Hey. All right, so it stands for Together Empowering a Ministry, and the music team works together to help us use music to worship God. And not only that, but there are members of the team that teach others how to play music. I have folks who come and do specials and things, and that kind of thing. And then we have a number of other teams. So in the room right now, we have our... Boston. Uh, don't have him. RJ is around here somewhere. Okay. Okay. So RJ is right there. RJ is our youth team leader. So RJ works with the teenagers, and his team then works together to empower that ministry. And they were teenagers work to then do various things through that ministry. We have the preschool nursery team, obviously runs the preschool nursery department. The God's Kids team that runs the reading age children, and they and they transition when their parents and the leaders think it's ready. So we don't do like grades, like you go, oh, your kid are kicked out of here, right? It's not like that. We transition when the parents think they're ready and when the teachers think they're ready. And so we have kind of reading age children up through sixth grade. And then we have a Christian games team. The Christian games team does. Uh, card games, board games, role-playing games, board games, every kind of games, and they play games for fellowship, and then they, they, they reach people with the gospel who are playing games in the community and that kind of thing. They, they do video games, too. I shouldn't, shouldn't forget that. All right? So, and I haven't named them all. The arts and crafts team is Josh in here. Behind you. Josh behind me, yes. The arts and crafts team. And we wouldn't want to forget that arts and crafts night is every other Friday night from 6 to 8, and it is this coming Friday. So are we doing anything special this Friday, Josh? I think we're working on games for the upcoming fall size. All right, so Hall of a Lot of Fun, which is October 31st from 6 to 8. The arts and crafts team will be coming up with games ideas and decoration ideas, uh, not Halloween themes, because this is an alternative to trick-or-treat, right? This is one we do as a safe alternative to trick-or-treat, so kids can come and play games and uh, be in a safe, blessed place. And so we do a lot of fun down the hallway, so we'll need games to fill the whole hallway and decorations, and um, and they'll be working on that 6 to 8 on Friday. And if you don't want to work on that, Josh will be perfectly content to have you paint or color or draw or cut out things, whatever you like to do, and that's our craft. And so there are more. If you're interested in getting involved in a team, you don't have to be a member of the church to be part of one of those teams. You just have to be willing to work together to empower that ministry. There are prayer warriors, for example, who don't do anything else with the ministry but just pray for the needs of that ministry. And so you say, like, I don't want to work with teenagers because teenagers make me afraid. And, and you say, well, no, that wouldn't be true, but it is for some people, right? And so I don't want to work with teenagers, but I can pray for them. And so then you'd get a hold of RJ and say, hey, I can pray for your teenagers, whatever's going on, and, and you could be a prayer warrior for the team. So that's what that's like. That's how our church is organized. And the only ministries that we do uh, that are not through the teams 
are the whole church, everybody together, all involved. So we do our block parties, outreaches, working in the community, the pantry, things like that. And everybody can help with that. Okay? So that's Teens at New Heights, Together Empowering a Ministry. If you remember that, the next time I ask it, which will probably be next Tuesday night, I may have a treat for a young person who can remember that acronym next week. We're going to pray together. We have one more song, and then the children's and children's leaders will be released to go to their lessons. And then one more song after that, and then we go to the Word. We have a special lesson material this evening. It's going to be cool, I think. God's really working in it, so I'm excited about it. All right, so let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Bow our heads and talk to God. You can do it in your head. You can do it out loud. Follow along with me, however you want to do it. Father in heaven, this is your Tuesday night. This is your lesson. This is your music. These are your teens. This is your church. This is your body. This is your body that, that came out of my mother 53 plus years ago. And that's Chris's body. And that's RJ's body. And that's Solar's body. But Lord, it all belongs to you. And we give it all back to you right now. You use as you see fit. Help us to worship you. Help us to have a little fun together. Help us to work in the kingdom of God and advance your will upon the earth the best we can to be whatever we can be part of. We pray your will be done here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you very much. You can stand or you can sit, but you're surely going to want to sing. Here we go.
Okay, so this is our agenda for the remainder of our time together. What happened? I missed it. All right, anyway, this is our agenda for the remainder of our time together. We're going to have a lesson on evil spirits and demons. This is part one, so we will not get through everything today. I'm going to ask you to trust me a little bit in that if we start getting into next week's topic too heavily, I'm going to redirect us, okay, so that we can, because we need to be able to cover what we're going to talk about today with relative completeness. We don't want to leave big holes um, so everybody will have the information that they need. So the worksheet that's coming around to you, we will do first. So I'll just go through the worksheet and I will give you what goes in the blank and talk about it a little bit uh, and you can fill it in. If you're not a worksheet person, you don't want to fill it in, you want to take notes in your own book, whatever, this is just for your uh, ease of use and to follow my logic. And yes, it is this, I did make this in case you can tell. Okay? So, and we do post these online and I'm not embarrassed by that at all. So that doesn't bother me even a bit. Um, once we've completed the worksheet, the remainder of the time together, we will have a panel of three individuals who will sit before you, of which I will be one. You will be allowed to ask any questions that you want of those individuals. Now, uh, there will be a disclaimer in that we don't have any experts in the house. Nobody's an expert, <laughs> expert here, okay? So we'll cover that when the time comes. But that, that we, well, we've got three people that the Lord led me to that, that have some experience in this department. Probably we all do. And you may even have some things to share that nobody else has, and that's okay. And, and if we need to do that, we will. Um, but so here we go. All right. So if you're at the top of your worksheet, you will see that we're we're talking about three different terms. One of the first questions that comes up when I'm dealing with people talking about evil spirits and demons and so on is, what do the terms mean, or how did they all connect? All right. So on the very top two lines there, the first term is demons slash devils. The two blanks are demons and devils. Okay, so uh, the word demon comes from the Greek, and it, it comes from daimon, all right? And so there is no other English word that, that, that comes from that word, so they just transliterated it to demon. So when you see demon in your New Testament, the Greek word there is always daimon, all right? And um, the devil's word is really the old, it kind of comes from the Old Testament word, but if you have a King James Bible, you'll see they always use the word devils even in the New Testament, so it always carries through, okay? And um, the, the word there is, uh, and I can't really think of the Hebrew word right this second, it just slipped right out of my head. But anyway, it's a very simple word, and it really translates devils. And the Hebrew word translates into English devils well, whereas the Greek word for demons really didn't have a corresponding word in English, so they just translated it and made it daimon. Okay? The next line there is evil spirits. So two, two lines, evil in one blank, spirits in the other. Um, you, you can capitalize the spirits if you want. I never do because I'm just partial. To, I think there is only one capital spirit in the entire universe, and that's God's Holy Spirit. So I never capitalize uh, spirits unless I do it by accident, I suppose. But I never intentionally do that. Um, so evil spirits, when you see the term evil spirits in the New Testament, 99% of the time it is two actual words. It is evil and spirit, okay, or spirits. So it's paneros, which is evil, and then pneuma, which is spirit or wind or breath. So it's literal translated evil spirits. And then you have unclean spirits, unclean spirits. And the, the term there is basically it's a, it's a spirit that goes against God's purposes or cannot be used by God's, and it's um, akatharktos, which basically just means they're unclean or worthless. 
bad. All right. So for our purposes, as we're talking about it, and I, and I think if you were a demon or an evil spirit, you might chafe against this a little bit. But since I don't really care what they think, this is what this is the bottom line. For our purposes, all of those terms mean the same thing. And there are texts, and we could go there and read them, but we're not going to do that because we have a limited amount of time, where in the same sentence, like someone will be speaking and they'll call it a demon, and then in the same sentence they'll refer to it as an evil spirit. Okay, So the terms are pretty interchangeable. So um, you could call... So like you have this vision in your mind, you watch uh, sci-fi movies or whatever, of a demon of like a big clawed beastie thing or whatever like that. And I'm not saying they can't look like that, um, but they probably wouldn't normally look like that. It would look like something much more seductive or much more tricky, manipulative, that kind of thing. Okay, So whatever they look like, that's irrelevant. We're talking about what they are and what we need to do about what they are. And so for our purposes, if you go follow that big arrow down, you can put same, or if you're a big spelling person, you can put interchangeable. Okay, and I when I tried to spell interchangeable, I couldn't spell it, so I just put same because I couldn't figure out whether it was an e in the middle, and I didn't have Josh at that time to ask. Josh is my spelling guru, so same. All right. So to be clear, we are not going to be talking about Satan. Okay. Now, is Satan a daimon? Yes, according to the Bible, he's a daimon. Is he an evil spirit, Old Testament devil? Yes, according to the Bible, he is one of those. All right, and we kind of get the idea from the Bible, and I don't want to stray onto this. Kind of get the idea that he's kind of a higher-ranking one, or maybe the most, you know, was very powerful, or possibly like that. There is a whole bunch of doctrine about how he fell. I've gone it. How he fell from the heavens and became what he is, and blah blah blah. And, and a lot of that is not really supported well in Scripture. Okay, so we're not going to deal with that as we're talking about the cl this class of thing that is a demon, evil spirit, unclean spirit, devil, whatever. We're not really going to talk about him. We will talk about him a little bit more next week. But we're, uh, if you want to get engaged in a lot of study on him, that is a whole topic all by itself as he is an individual. Okay, Odds are, praise God, none of us will ever meet him. You're more <laughs> likely to run into his schemes than him personally because he's just one person. He's going to be in one place at one time. He's not like God. He can be everywhere at once, that kind of thing. So he's not a human. When I say a person, don't get confused. He's not a human. He's a daimon. Right? Okay. All right, so here we go. Now we're down into the bottom section. And you'll notice that there are three arrows. Because they're all the same, all of these things down below all apply to all of them. All right? We've got to go through fairly quickly here, but I'll, we're going to do the scripture. You'll notice it says uh, on the left-hand side there, it says they are real. Um, while I'm doing this one, if somebody has a Bible available, would somebody look up Ephesians 6.12 and somebody look up James 2.19? Even if we overlap, it's okay. All right? So Ephesians 6.12 and James 2.19. The middle one is going to be Ephesians 6.12. The one on the right is going to be James 2.19. And I would give you those again in a second if you need them. Okay. And then Matthew 12 is the text for the one on the left. It's Matthew, Matthew 12, 27, and 28. I'm going to get there. I should have marked it properly, but... Okay, so and in Matthew 12, 27, 28, over on the left under, they are real, this is what it says. And if I, this is Jesus is speaking, he says, if I, by Beelzebub, who was a daimon, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Consequently, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, capital S, Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. 
So if you can safely assume that Jesus is saying, if I cast out demons this way, then you don't need the rest of it to know demons are real. All right, Jesus wasn't going to talk about doing it if it wasn't real. So Matthew 12, 27 to 28, there are dozens of other texts I could have chosen there. I picked one from the mouth of the Son of God on purpose because we know that, right? So it's Matthew 12, 27 to 28. Then over under, they are enemies. Who has Ephesians 6, 12? RJ, nice and loud. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly place. Okay, so you can, like, people will argue that that breaks down a demonic structure and like that, and that those things, those other terms there, but surely you heard the spiritual forces of wickedness, right? So they're definitely in there. So they are enemies. That's clear which is also problematic because at times they, for, for people who are lost, especially, or people who are Christians who aren't living their faith, they can look kind of friendly or enticing, and people don't realize that they're enemies, but they're clearly enemies. They're enemies of God as well as being enemies of us, okay? And then over on the right, it says, they are evil. They are evil. Who has James 2.19? Tony Tate. It says, you believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shun. Okay, so the God demons God. and God, both real, right? The demons, enemies of God, we got that in the middle, and now we realize the demons, knowing that they are enemies of God, they believe in God, and they shudder. They're fearful. They are evil. Yeah, if, if you're not evil, you have nothing to fear from God, right? And some people who are evil don't fear God, but, but they are wise enough in that sense to do so. Okay? So I'm going to give you the next three references. Um that you don't already have filled in, and, and then a couple people can grab them. So they can be spotted. We're going to read 1 John 4, 1. They can be stopped. Luke 10, 17. Yep, 10, 17. And they can be, I chose this word intentionally, deported, which is Matthew 12, 43 to 45. Does anybody have 1 John 4, 1? If not, I do. Okay, RJ, go. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Okay, so without getting into how or more <laughs> of it right there, it is clear that you can tell one spirit from another. That is possible. It's written to Christians. I would submit to you that a lost person may not be able to tell, but a saved person in Christ can tell. These spirits can be spotted. And that reference was 1 John 4, 1. Okay, so we're going to pause, step aside for a minute before we read the next one. If somebody's getting Luke 10, 17 and Matthew 12, 43. Solo, what, do you have, what reference do you have under they are enemies? Did you put a reference under there? You got distracted while you're looking up the or the reference. What happened? Okay, so they are enemies. Nicole, do you have a reference there? Say it again. Ephesians six twelve. Now remind me. I think you don't like tootsie rolls, right? Okay, coming back there. You'd have had that if Solo hadn't interfered. Okay. All right. So they can be spotted. Okay. Now uh, we're moving over to the middle. They can be stopped. Now this is comforting. 
has provided comfort for me many times in my walk as a Christian. Because um, uh, real, real quick before we read this text, understand they are spiritual beings. They can go through walls. They can disappear in one place and appear in another. Cages don't stop them. Locks don't stop them. Lightness, light, you know, put up a light outside so somebody won't do drug deals on your corner anymore. That doesn't stop them, right? Those are not the th those things don't stop them, but they can be stopped. Okay. Does anybody have Luke uh, ten seventeen? Tony Tate. Yep. The seventy-two returned with joy and said, "Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name." Right. So these are ordinary men. They are not pastors. They are not deacons. They are not theologically trained. <clears throat> Many of them were fishermen. There was a tax collector there. And actually, by, you broadened it, by the time you broadened it out to get to the 72, right? So there was a lot of people from a lot of common walks of life. And the only thing they really had going for them was the fact that they were following Jesus and they were correcting or stopping the demons, the daimons, in Jesus' name. That's still true today, okay? So they can be stopped. Now, you'll notice that I've already given you the Psalm 8-2 reference there. Uh, we're not going to go there and read that right this second. You can read it later, but I'll tell you what it says. Paraphrasing, okay? What it says that from the womb, people have the ability to make the enemy cease. Now, that's unsaved people. We don't get saved as babies. We get saved later when we grow up, right? When you can believe. You get saved when you can believe. But from the womb, we have it. And that's Old Testament reference, so it's pre-Holy Spirit. You don't have the Holy Spirit into you until you get saved, right? So you can stop it. So obviously there's a reason why people don't do that, or they only do it for a short period of time. And it's because these daimons, demons, devils, evil spirits, whatever term you want to use, they're enticing, they're manipulative, they're deceptive, they look good, they'll come to you in sheep's clothing dressed as a lollipop if that's what it takes to get your attention, right? And they and so people don't stop them because they don't understand. First of all, they may not accept that they're real or they may not understand that they're enemies or that they're evil and they think, oh, this is working out. You know, this is going to work out somehow good for me. And so they don't stop them, but they could stop them. Now, they wouldn't be able to stop them permanently necessarily, as we'll see uh, in, a, in a moment, Okay. There's also a reference there, 1 John 2, 15, and I am going to read that to you real quick. It says, uh, um, yeah, 1 John, do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And so there are, shut the door, Dustin, shut the door. <laughs> You're going to play games apparently. Okay, anyway, there are, um, they are, these demons, these evil spirits, whatever, these are all working within the world system. Arguably, don't want to get on Satan again, but arguably, they are, that Satan, you could say, that's mine. Satan, you could say, is um, in control of the world, right, arguably. Now, we're not any of that doctrine, right, but the bottom line is he's got a lot of rank and authority, and if you choose his way, you choose the world. That's why it says if you become, an, you become a friend of the world, you become an enemy with God. Because if you choose that route, you will be messing with God's enemies. That's where they work. Okay? All right, now we're over to can be deported. And I chose that in a particular reason, right? Because we are part of the kingdom of God. 
If you are a Christian, you are part of the kingdom of God and under can be deported the references Matthew 12, 43 to 45. Did somebody look it up? Alicia, you got it? All right, nice and loud in the back, back there. Now when the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came, and when it comes, it finds it unoccupied, swept, and put in order. Then it goes and brings along with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they come in and live there. And the last condition of that person becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will also be with this evil generation. Okay, so we know that, remember, remember Psalm 8, even people who don't know the Lord could have victory. Ever known anybody who didn't know Jesus, but they gave up a horrible habit that was dominating their life? Psalm 8. They have the ability to make something cease. Yeah, absolutely. Right? So they, they can do it. People can do it. You can do it through counseling. You can do it through study. You can do it through psychology. You can do it through volunteering. You can do it through medication. There's so many ways that people can get help to overcome what we're talking about. But then they get cleaned up and they get to be okay. And then they have no way of keeping that from coming back or worse right and according to what we just read they look at like they, they go wandering in the wilderness and then they come they decide to come back and they find the house all neatly arranged and boom they move back in and bring seven more wicked spirits and the, the way of that person is worse in the end than before okay uh, these spirits that we're talking about can be topped I think that reference is wrong. Let me double check myself real quick. Yes, it's supposed to be 1 John 4, 4. I apologize for that. So that black reference that says 1 John 2, 15, you can cross that out and write 1 John 4, 4. I think my mind just got stuck on the previous reference when I was making this. 1 John 4, 4. Okay, and, it, and that says, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And who is in you? Jesus Christ, Holy Spirit, and who is in the world? These spiritual forces of wickedness, right? That's what he's talking about. So we're safe, if you will. We can top them. We can stop them. We can deport them. In fact, we can deport them even before we're saved, but now what we, where we're at right now to this point is... We, we can deport them, but then when they try to come back, we don't really have a defense except possibly to deport them again, and then that becomes a constant battle, back and forth. I'm trying to quit. I'm trying to quit. I quit. Quit for three days. Oh, I didn't quit. I quit for a month. Oh, I didn't quit. Oh, I stopped doing that years ago. Now I'm doing it again. Plus, I'm doing these other things, right? And so it becomes a constant battle to deport the evil spirit if you don't have a way of stopping them from coming back, okay? So, unfortunately, these evil spirits, etc., can also be summoned. The reference there is Mark 7.20. 7 what? 7.20. Mark 7.20. Okay, and it says, and he was saying, this is Jesus speaking, that which proceeds out of the man... That is what defiles the man. And I'll go on to 21. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed the evil thoughts, fornications, thefts, murders, adulteries, deeds of coveting and wickedness, as well as deceit, sensuality. You get the idea, right? 
And 23 says, all these evil things proceed from within and defile the man. So the bottom line is, if you will engage in an activity that God would consider wickedness, you are literally inviting evil spirits to come and take part. Does that make mm -hmm. sense? So there's one in your house, and you get on the phone and lie to your mother, you can't come help her today because of whatever, blah, blah. You have literally made him comfortable. Pull up a chair, let me get you Coke, right? You've invited that evil spirit. And one, in doing that, that, now that should not have come out of your heart. If your heart is... Following Jesus, you don't want to do things like that. But we still do because we have the flesh, we have less little flesh, less the eyes, pride of life. We still have those struggles. We still do bad things. When we do, we are essentially summoning uh, them, making them feel comfortable and that kind of thing. And that, that's what will make us unclean. It will not make you unsaved. If you're saved, you're saved. Right? We're not talking about losing your salvation. We're talking about who you're hanging out with. Okay? So... Um, all right, so let's go back up to the top for a second. I'm going to run through these in case anybody is lost on the references. So they are real. That was Matthew 12, 27 to 28. They are enemies, Ephesians 6, 12. They are evil, James 2, 19. They can be spotted, 1 John 4, 1. And by, and by the way, uh, 2 and 3 there will give you like the exact how to spot them. It gives you the parameters to look for. And we'll talk about that probably in our... Uh, panel time. They can be stopped. There's three references there. Psalm 8.2, Luke 10.17, and that actually, you know what, the bottom one there should be 1 John 4.4 4 also. So you can just cross off the 2.15 and put 4.4. 4. They can be deported, so we can kick them out. However, keeping them away is another problem. Also, they can be summoned. That's how far we are. The reference under they can be deported was Matthew 12, 43 to 45. The reference under they can be topped was 1 John 4, 4. They can be summoned was Mark 7, 20. And now they can be stored. Now this, where they can be stored, is another telling of the Jesus talking about the wandering spirit from Matthew 12, 43 to 45. But it's over in Luke. So this reference under stored is Luke 11, 24 to 26. And it's going to sound very similar to what Alicia read. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and not finding any. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. I submit to you a couple of things applied there. One, evil spirits can live in people. That is possible. Okay? Not saved people. Talk about that separately in a second, okay? But in people who do not know Jesus, evil spirits can live inside them. And they could be canceled and kicked out, deported, if the person figures out that's the best thing to do, and they get them out, but then there's nothing to keep them out, right? So then they, he leaves, he comes back, and he brings a whole bunch of worse evil spirits with him, okay? And then the last one is, and this is the most important one, I think, for, for, to get this point, and then we'll go to the panel um, after a little summary, is they can be declined, Okay, and it's Luke 10, 21 to 23 is the first reference. Luke 10, 21 to 23. 
At that very time, he rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit and said, now this is Jesus speaking, I praise thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou didst hide these things from the wise and intelligent and didst reveal them to babes. Yes, Father, for thus it was well-pleasing in thy sight. All things have been handed over to me by, by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wills to reveal him. And turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. We are not unaware. There's an old saying that says, forewarned is forearmed. Even before you came in here, even before I said they are real, you already knew they were real. And everybody does. Okay, so even people who are lost, doesn't know God, they know, right? They already know. Uh, we already know that they can be rebuked. We already know that they can be kicked out and so on. And back in, um, when we read Luke 10, 17, which is a little bit before this, or on the page, I'll say, the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in, their name, in your name. Satan, then uh, Jesus says, I was watching, and Satan fell from the heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions, and know that that is a reference to the evil spirits right there, and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. You hear that? We can say no. As Christians, we can say no. We can say we're not going to let this happen. Then there's Ephesians 6.16 is our final reference. Ephesians 6.16. Okay. Now, earlier in this same passage, we were talking about um, how we're, we're not against people, right? We're against principalities and powers, spiritual forces of wickedness, right? And then in 16, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil, evil one. I, was, I read on the internet that somebody put that, that this describes Satan as throwing flaming arrows. I think we know better. It's figurative language, right? It's talking about the way he comes after us. If we can stop his plans, by the way, who carries out his plans? The demons, evil spirits, etc. So if you can believe and have faith in that moment, you can rebuke them and they cannot come back. There's a passage of scripture that talks about the strong man. Um, and basically... If, if a strong man guards the house, no one can enter and steal what's inside, right? Let's see if I can find that real quick. And we have the ultimate strong man in the Holy Spirit. Or else who can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil the house except who would bind the Holy Spirit of God? And the answer is no one. You have the Holy Spirit of God in you, you're set. He that is not with me, I love this because people get confused about the transition here, but if you, look, if you think of it in the context of the lesson that we're studying right now, it works perfectly. It says, he that is not with me is against me, and he that gathereth not with me scattereth abroad. Jesus is saying, if you'll stick with me, you'll be all right. Okay? So they're real, they're enemies, they're evil, they can be spotted, they can be stopped, they can be deported. In fact, you can even do that if you're not a Christian. You just don't have a way of keeping them at bay. You can't keep them away. They can be topped. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. They can be summoned by our choices. When you indulge in wicked choices, 
you're making them feel comfortable and say, come on, hang out with me. Right? They can be stored, not just one, because if you manage to kick one out because it's bothering you, when he comes back, he's going to bring seven more, even more evil and wicked with him. Right? And then they can be declined. So you can say no. Right? Real, one thing I want to cover real quick, and then we're going to go to um, the, the panel portion. Okay? And so it is this. In 1 John 4, where it says, test the spirits. Okay? Um, this is a spirit that is of the spirit of God. It recognizes who Jesus is, that he came in the flesh, died on the cross, and rose again. If you're in this room right now, and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to understand <coughs> you're never going to be safe from evil spirits and demons. They literally have a purpose. They want to thwart God's plan. What is God's plan? To have a proper relationship with everybody. You know, God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants you to spend eternity with him. He wants to come and live in you and you to abide in him. That's what he wants. So you never be safe unless you have the strong man that is the Holy Spirit of God that he protects you permanently, right? And then things bounce off. But also, there is still your mind and you will always have your ears open as long as you're alive and can hear and your eyes open as long as you're alive and can see. And your flesh still touches things and it feels good or it feels bad. Okay? Because of that, thoughts come into your head. You can't stop that. You know, there's scientific studies. If you go in a sound deprivation chamber, like at like 23 hours, you literally start to go nuts. Right? Human beings have constant stuff coming at them and you need that. And so that's part of who we are. It's how we interact with the world. And so it's, you're always going to have thoughts coming into your head. Some of those thoughts are not going to be of God and you need to learn how to sort them, okay? And once you learn, if something comes into your head, if your heart belongs to Jesus, something comes in your head that doesn't fit, your heart has the strength to say, no, thank you, right? Leave me alone. I don't want to think that. I don't want to respond to that thought. I don't want to do that, right? And you can even do that in and for other people. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but not right now, okay? So at this time, I'm going to ask uh, Perry and uh, Tony Tate are going to be our panel. And so uh, one of you on each side over here, and I'll go in the middle. RJ is going to MC for us, which means uh, he has questions that he can ask. If, if no one asks any questions, then he has questions that, that have been prepared, like the, he's got the uh, crib sheets or whatever I call it. So I have to read this statement in advance because uh, this is going out to all over the world. And there are people all over the world who know a lot better on these topics, maybe even than us in this room. Uh, and so it says this, we are men. We are not better men. We are not better equipped men. We are not more able to deal with evil spirits and demons. As you will see by the time we're done with this uh, topic, these two Tuesday nights, Jesus Christ and his presence in a willing, born-again Christian is everything necessary to have victory over evil spirits and demons in this present life and, of course, for eternity. The one and only reason, this is the three people who have been chosen for this particular panel, is because as pastor of New Heights, I prayed about tonight and the lesson series I was led to use this format and the Lord seemed to me to be leading to this assortment of people. I really don't know exactly where we'll go from here, but I know God is leading us there. Okay, So at this time, RJ is going to kind of mediate. And, and so if you have a question and you think you need something, they can ask the question, you can direct it to one of us. And if nobody asks any questions, then he'll, he has questions he can ask. Okay. You're going to sit over here because you're going to have that microphone. Okay. Sorry. All right. 
I'm wearing a microphone. Okay. We're ready. Who's got a question? Going once. Jeremiah. RJ, Jeremiah Shepherd. Um, I'm wondering how would you follow Eden? If okay. said not follower. Say that last part. If said not follower. If a person is not? If, if someone is not a follower, how would you follow Eden? Okay. You want to direct it to one of us in particular? How would you repel a demon if the person is not a follower? I can answer it. In the name of Jesus, you, you lay hands on them and you, and you pray over them. And some of the demons won't come out, right? You have to actually fast and pray continuously to drive it out. By, by the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in a saved person, you have the authority of the Holy Spirit to drive that Holy to drive that our Holy Spirit, our unclean spirit, out of the person. They, they call it exorcism, whatever you want to call it. And it's real. It really does. God, Jesus said that we could do greater things than him, you know, and, and, and through the Holy Spirit. when he sends it to us. So if we're embodied with the Holy Spirit and living inside of us, residing us, and we're walking out our faith, and we're strong, and we have that faith. It's the important thing is to have that faith and that belief. We could say to a mountain, move, and it'll move if you have the faith of a mustard seed. So to drive out of spirit is nothing. If you have the Holy Spirit residing in you, but some of them are stubborn. And so we have to find, uh, if we find ourselves in that situation, you're going to have to fast and pray. And it's always best to come in more than one person to do that. It's safer. As far as believing that concern. Yeah, so I would add uh, to that, I agree 100% everything you said. I would add to that um, that the individual who might have the demon or might be dealing with the demon, because so there's demon possession, which yes. means the demon goes and lives in the person. There's demon oppression, which means the person is being affected by the demon, but not necessarily in them. And that's about all. That's right. about the yeah. worst thing a demon can do to a Christian is oppress you. Yeah. It cannot possess you because you're possessed by the Holy Spirit. Yes, okay. So the person who's being either oppressed or um, possessed yeah. is also part. If they don't want that demon to go, um, <laughs> even if you manage to cast the demon out, it's just going to come back stronger. In fact, I, I, I share a brief story where we got called on the phone, New Heights got called on the phone and was asked to go and deal with, um, basically this guy thought he was being haunted by his dead wife. And he said, there's a new spirit in my house, I'm pretty sure it's my dead wife, and she gets up in the middle of the night at 4 a.m., she's slamming cupboards, getting in the refrigerator, uh, I'm sitting in my chair watching TV and this cold spot comes across the room from where she used to sit, all these kind of things. And I said, well, okay, we'll, we'll come and talk to you. And I went and talked to him. I shared the gospel with him. He did not want to accept Jesus. He did not want to become a Christian. And I said, well, we can do it. Uh, and actually, it was uh, Brother Tim Mitchell and myself went the first time. So we can do it. Uh, so we prayed. We passed out through other one second. Or are they okay? If you want to go find out what his question is now, so you're ready. Um, anyway, then uh, we did. So we prayed and we read the Spirit, and it went away for about two weeks. For about two weeks, uh, he had no trouble. And then after it came back, he said, well, it's back. And it's worse than ever. Now it's doing this, and it's doing this, and it's doing that. It's worse than ever. So I went back to him, and I said, and, and the second time I went back, he was he was claiming to be Muslim. And so the second time I went back, I said, Perry. Yeah. You know that? I remember. We sat in this guy's living room, and, uh, and Perry questioned him on the Quran. 
And he didn't squat. He didn't know anything about the Quran. And he admitted eventually he was a known Muslim. He was just using that as an excuse not to become a Christian. Which is a lot, by the way, in case anybody didn't realize that. Um, anyway, and so then uh, I showed God for him again. And uh, he did not accept Christ, but he was definitely closer. And so we prayed and rebuked evil spirits in his house. And, and he went away. About 10 days later, he had a man come and live with him. He had an upstairs bedroom off of his living room. And a man came and lived with him. And that man was a Christian. And then uh, for, he lived there for about two months. And the quote-unquote evil spirit never came back. The spirit of his wife, he said, never came back and during that time. And then the guy went on vacation. And when he came back, he was going to move out. And the night that he went on vacation, the evil spirit was back in his house. And, and it was worse than ever. It was doing all kinds of things. He said he couldn't sleep, and he felt it hovering over his bed, and blah, blah, blah. And so we went again and uh, led him to accept Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, which he did do. And uh, we rebuked the evil spirit. We, we never met the evil spirit. Yeah. We never sensed it, felt it, or anything. I mean, I, yeah, sensed it, maybe. It, it felt weird. Anyway, so then we, we were afraid of you, and uh, it fled. He called me about uh, probably seven months later, and he said he had never... Never felt a problem again. Everyone, he was engaged to a woman, and, and she was a Christian woman, and he married. And he wanted to donate money to the church to pay for the exorcism that we had done on his approach. And and I declined. Uh, and I said no. I said you want to do it. I said uh, don't do it through me. I don't want nothing to do with this. So you come to church and put an offering plate or something. I don't want. I'm not getting paid for fighting demons. And so, but he never. They, he never had a problem after that. After, after he professed Christ, he never came to New Heights either. We never were able to baptize him. I don't know what actually happened to him, but. Uh, they were due to get married, and and he was both of them were professing Christians. So we were able to do it for him, but it kept coming back, and it kept getting worse. Yeah. So I was going to add to that because you said a demon does it. How do you repel it if it's not a follower? So in Christ, any Christian believer, right there, okay, any Christian believer can um, you could say cast out or, or send out or drive out or command whatever it is can do that. But as a person that's not a believer, like, yes, they can repel demons, they can entertain them, and a lot of things. And I always say this, so if you would think about this, is that everybody has different relationships. We talk about demons and evil spirits. You know, it's what people think, their opinions, their religions. I don't know if I believe in that. Like, for me, I still don't believe in demons. I get attacked all the time. Like, I don't have a reason to believe in demons. But I was attacked since I was an early age. I get attacked every day. And God tells me that that's the way I see it. Like I don't, I know people that literally can see evil spirits can, and I don't see it. God is telling me what's being said, and I'll go, okay, by faith, I trust you. I'm going to go do that. And so, like everybody has different relationships, but when it comes down to God's relationship to us, what He's shown us, what He has taught us, is that that's why we have the, the ability through the Holy Spirit to drive out demons. So as a follower of Christ. Any of us can drive out evil spirits or begin to show people that the evil spirits are not here. Truth can uh, trump uh, false. Love can trump hate. Uh, darkness, light can be trumped by darkness. All this stuff. Begin to show that God is here through every born-again believer. So I really think like when we're also doing that, and I don't get into a big tangent, I'll just say a quick verse. Jesus is talking to a Phoenician woman. Her daughter is possessed by a demon. And this is Jesus. This isn't a Christian. A Christian could do it differently. But this is Jesus on the scene. He is God and only God. 
And he comes in there and she says, there's a drive this demon out. And he says, I'm only here for the, the children, the, the, the dogs. The, but he was just being insane, like, I've come for them. But she's like, well, I'm like a little dog. Could you help me out? I don't get in the verses. But the idea is that she's wanting to believe that God can do this. And she's believing that God can help her. So Jesus does cast it out of her. So the idea is that every demon experience, everything we go through, it should draw us either back to God or draw us that, that there is a God and that is Jesus. Amen. So the first thing he has to simplify it. To simplify the first question was you said that he said the evil spirit was his ex-wife or whatever. Right. How would he know that that's his ex-wife? Or can a spirit be like a dead person? Yeah, so biblically speaking, there are no such things as ghosts. But people talk about ghosts all the time. The Bible says, absent with the body from the body, present with the Lord. So if you think you're dealing with the ghost of your uncle, you're dealing with an evil spirit. Even if, I mean, you could stretch your mind and say, if by some chance an evil, a, a dead person was a ghost, you'd expect it to be evil in any case, right? But the Bible says there is no such thing as ghosts. There is only one instance anywhere in the Bible where, quote-unquote, ghosts were ever dealt with, and it was when uh, Saul summoned up the ghost of Samuel or whatever, and it was done through a witch, blah, blah, blah. But you can clearly see in that text that that, that was not him, right? It was something representing. So demons will do that, play that game to try to get people to listen. Yep. I'm really curious. When I was younger, I saw my grandma. And kind of come to find out that she had a real long time ago. Mm -hmm. I, I ended up finding her driver's license and realized that it was Sure. So, I mean, there's a couple different ways. Obviously, God could have, that could have been a vision, right? I assume it didn't look like a real person. So, but it also could have been a demon. It's nothing I would want to mess with. I for sure. I wouldn't play with it. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm trying to get on a tangent, but I, I thought you've had to get to prophecy for a while, so it's possible your dreams are telling you things. You need, you need to start a dream journal. Start keeping track because you're going to find out that it connects with things that are going on. Yeah, so you're talking about the Trinity, all right? And so, uh, actually, I think Chris did a pretty good job of explaining this the other day when we were talking. But, um, yeah, so we have a, a, a belief that a person is one thing, right? So when I look at Josh, I see his flesh. That's what I see, you know? I, I talk to Josh, I hear his personality. I observe him that way. But that doesn't make him just one thing, right? We're, we're heart, mind, soul. We're more than one thing. God is a Trinity. He's one person. He's one person. But because he's God, he can be everywhere at once, right? And then he chose to become a man, which we call God the Son, and it's kind of a separate personality, if you will, right? He chose to become a man and live in the flesh and then die for sin. That's something he did. So they were all three present in heaven already, and then God the Son came to earth. The Trinity is a whole other topic. 
uh, and, it's a, and it's kind of a deep topic, but essentially it's something you're going to have to accept on faith. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and they're all one person. Right. It does, yes. So maybe, or maybe a Tuesday night in a month or so. I have a great material I can send you, I think, on the Trinity. Feel free to ask me anytime. I love to answer those questions. I yeah, it's fun stuff. I love talking about stuff. All Demons right. and evil spirits, we've got like five minutes max. Jeremiah. Jeremiah. I'm actually quite nervous to ask this question because I was wondering about the Ouija board. Uh huh. Um, so, what does it exactly do? It's inviting demons. Yeah. That's exactly what it's doing. You're calling on demons. Like you said in the handout, you can call them. They'll come. They'll be happy to come. Shack out with you, all that old stuff. But once you invite them, beware, because they're getting ready to hang out. They're getting ready to chill, and they're going to torment you beyond belief. You've invited them in. Yeah. I, I, I know a young lady who actually was, and I don't know her personally now, she's a friend of mine on Facebook, but I haven't talked to her over a decade, but she was in, uh, possessed by a demon while at a birthday party while playing with a Ouija board. Now, I also know people that say they play with them and nothing ever happened, um, but the bottom line is it is inviting in evil spirits. I'm going to share on a personal level, the way we all think about this. Let's say you're a football player, baseball player, basketball player, which is a football player. You're in the game, and you decide to put on a baseball glove, you got a baseball bat, you're not going to be in the game very long. So, and with, because it's very sad because some things are near to our heart. We've seen visions, we've seen ghosts, we've seen things that, you know, that might be surreal. And in our soul, it is surreal. But when you get into the game, when they're distractions, they're keeping you from what you really can do, who you really are, who God is. Because all it is, is because the honest truth is, no matter if you love something or not, if you don't keep your focus on something, it's when things go, you slip. So it's always keeping your focus. The, and the Bible even says that evil spirits, are, they're like familiar spirits, and I'm going to say familiar, don't say familiar, but they're like an angel of light. They're disguised. They look like something that looks great to you and stuff like that. And they've been doing it for years. If you even think about it, wasn't a demon, but it was definitely Satan that said, look at that apple again. What's that look like? And everybody would know that I wouldn't want to eat an apple, but if it looked like a video game or a cartoon or something, they would like, oh, man, just let me get my hands on it for a second. You know, can I eat this thing? It's like that would have got my attention. So what they do is they draw attention for you to go get it. So the Ouija boards, all that stuff, you know, it, it seems cool, but you're just drawing attention to what they really want to do is get a hold of you in your life. So, how would spirits be some of them stronger, some of them not as strong, and also can they like actually physically harm you in any way? Yeah, so in scripture, what we have, first of all, they are definitely some are stronger than others. Strong is a weird word for this because we're, we're talking about spirituals. So we think strong like pump and iron, um, but if you mean like strong, like more effective. The primary way a spirit is going to be an evil spirit is going to be more effective on you is if they can work in your area of preference. So, for example, if they're knowledgeable and successful in the area of pornography, and you're playing with pornography, then that is going to be a really strong spirit to you. It's going to be a really and if, for example, then you if they're not, but they can handle it for a little while, then later they're going to invite in somebody that's really strong in that area. See what I'm saying? 
So, uh, so that's a, the first thing. The second thing is the Bible said, like he said, uh, he was quoting a particular passage, but that you might have to use prayer and fasting to get some out, where others will come out easily when rebuked, and some might use prayer and fasting. Jesus actually said this kind of comes out by prayer and fasting. So, if it's harder to get rid of, if that's what you mean by strong, then yes, you know, then then they can be like that because they're harder to get rid of. Um, and and but it probably just has to do with how deeply seated they get. And what was the second part? Yeah, so we only have one story in the Bible of physical harm and that and they Job. use a person. Job. Well, yeah, so but now let's be careful with Job, right? Yeah. We're staying away from the topic of Satan. Okay, all right, yeah, okay, all right. So, <laughs> yeah, so we, there's we don't have anything in the Bible that says demons can cause you physical harm. They can make you sick, they can cause ailments. Absolutely mental and physical ailments, absolutely. Um, and then when they're cast out those and then those those ailments would go away. And that's what happened when the disciples were casting out evil spirits, people were healed. But the seven sons of Sceva were casting out demons by Jesus' name. And the guy said, oh, you know, Paul, Jesus I know, and Paul I know, but who are you? And then beat the snot out of them so that they ran out of the room in their underwear, uh, all beat up. And so the problem is, and, and I, would, I would remember what we mentioned, I mentioned earlier that people have to be willing. If you're trying to cast a demon out of somebody and they're not willing, be careful. They might get mad. You know, and then they can do bad things. So it's wise to not try to cast demons out of somebody unless they're willing. Um, although you might need to if that's your only defense. You know, if that's what, or somebody you really love. And then if you get rid of the demon, you might go talk to them about Jesus and they might actually go over here. Jeremiah? Probably the last one, right? Yeah, I think we were. But we'll do it again next week. I know some people might not be able to be here, but we'll do it again next week. And we'll have a little bit more time at the end. And next week we're going to get into. Uh, the hierarchy and the Satan part a little bit. Um, um, I yeah, there are no lasting physical protections against demons. Period. Not salt. That's a joke. Not sage. None of that. None of that. Now. What, let me ask you this. Based on what we've learned here, somebody else answered the question. We'll put somebody else on the spot. If a person thought salt would work, and they laid down salt, and it worked, what happened? Okay. No. I, I, that, it could be, right? Because then it can really get you later. So it could be like a repose, like a trick. But remember Psalm 8? From the womb, human beings have the ability to rebuke the enemy. That's what it said. And they can cease from the womb. So for a moment in time, that person got up their courage, decided really that what they wanted, and they backed that up with action, and they were able to stop that evil spirit demon for a period of time. And then they caught it and became an idol. So salt becomes something. Right. Yep. So now salt becomes the way. Instead of what God would do through a person. Yep. There you go. Uh, real quick, I just want to narrate something real quick. I thought the Lord put it in my heart, especially since it's going live. Um, this, everyone knows this song by Frozen, Let It Go. It's very serious about the scriptures, about how wor- the word is used. If you said, let that go, then that song means whatever you're pointing at, that's what you let go. But since it's called let it go, that means whatever it, that it is, you can let it go. So there's a verse, I can't say that word, but yeah, Jesus tells Peter, get behind me. And it was an evil spirit we'll talk about later. But the idea is that those words are very critical. He said, get behind me. 
And when we say scripture, we need to go like, I would say word for word. If you say it so fast, you won't understand. He said, get behind me. He's telling that spirit that you need to get behind me. I am the place of authority. You're never going to be in front of me. Get behind me. So the idea is everything that we go through, it's not supposed to be in front of us. In the name of Jesus, it's supposed to be behind us because of who we are in Christ, who God is already the authority over all evil spirits, demons, and devils. Okay, so we're going to have to conclude our conversation at this point in time. We will do one more session of this next week. Uh, and this will give you an opportunity to think about it. I will give you this word of caution. Do not go out freaked out about demons and evil spirits. Okay? Don't do that. If you don't know that you're a Christian, accept Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today, and let him accept you and start living for Jesus, and you'll be safe. And if you do know that you're a Christian, then you have nothing to freak out about. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, and you're going to be okay. All right? There are snacks and drinks in the cafeteria, and we're just leaving this room to go to fellowship. But we're going to pray. So, even though we're late, we're going to pray. God goes first. Okay? So here we go. We're praying. Here we go. In the back. Get with me. Here we go. Solo. Here we go. Father in heaven, we love you. We thank you. We thank you that you open our eyes and make us aware of the spiritual realm. Lord, I know what's at the end of my fingertips most of the time. I know what I hear and what I see. And I'm grateful, Lord, that we can see with regenerated hearts, be aware, make choices, and rebuke and put away those things that would affect us on this level. God, go with it. If there's somebody in this room who's walking out right now not believing in Jesus Christ, not knowing that Jesus died on the cross for their sins, Lord, then please tarry with them. Please help them. Please be patient with them and with us because we sure screw something up if they're they're hanging out with us learning about evil spirits and demons and they don't know Jesus. And so we pray, Lord, that you would be patient with us and we know your word says that you are. And if there's somebody that knows somebody that's affected, knows somebody that needs to know about this material or this lesson or what God teaches on this subject, then let us be bold and deliver that truth and stand up for you and fight the real enemies. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.